peace of Christ be with you. And Merry Christmas to you. As we settle into this place, I invite you to take a moment and slow down to take about three deep breaths so that you can fully arrive here and that you might be aware of the Spirit's presence in, with, and among us. Beloved in Christ, be it this Christmas Eve our care and delight to prepare ourselves to hear again the message of the angels in heart and in mind, to go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass and the babe lying in a manger. Let us worship in beloved community. Standing or sitting, please join me in the call to worship. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. We light the candle of love.
I'm going to tell you to not be seated, but to remain standing, because on this Christmas Eve, we realize there are a lot of folks visiting, a lot of folks who maybe live somewhere else but are visiting family in town, and we want to give you a chance to greet one another, to share the peace of Christ with one another. So I invite you to turn to someone maybe you haven't seen in a while, maybe you haven't even met yet, and share the peace of Christ with one another. May the peace of Christ be with you. You may be seated. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. God of light, God of creation, God of wonder, God of a way where none seem possible, we have made pilgrimage in our hearts to the manger side hoping to get a glimpse of your love in the eyes of a child. We confess that we have not always looked with such grace on one another or on the least in our midst. Forgive us for that which we regret. Rescue us from despair's dark reaches. Emblaze in us a light that never goes out and lead us in the way of Christ. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, know that God's light is present in our world, present in the Christ child, present in the star, present in all that guides us to love. For in Christ we are loved, we are forgiven, we are set free. Thanks be to God. Amen.
A reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onwards and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this.
Our first gospel reading comes from the book of Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us.
A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom God favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place that the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. I was standing out in front of the church one Sunday morning when a woman stopped to talk. It's not uncommon for people to bike or to walk through the parking lot, even on Sunday mornings just passing through, but they never stop and talk. Sometimes you get a wave, but rarely a conversation. But this woman had um, something on her mind and on her heart, and she started to just talk about her life. I'll, I'll call her Ellen was not her real name. Ellen was in her, I'd say, probably early 50s. And she was in a, let's just say, a high-pressured industry. And she was talking about trouble she was having keeping up <clears throat> and shared about medication she was starting uh, because she had to do a lot of presentations and she was having difficulty remembering and keeping straight all that she needed to remember and keep straight. And you could just feel it in her that, Life was weighing on her and was catching up to her. So we chatted for a bit, and that was it. 
She went on her way. She didn't come in. She just went on her way. Well, it wasn't that much longer, just a handful of minutes, I suppose, that I was in here leading worship. And it was a day when Bethany was leading music. And one of the pieces that they sang was this beautiful song called Unconditional. And as I listened to her sing, all I could think about was Ellen. And I wondered if it would have made a difference to her, feeling all that she was feeling, if she could have just heard that refrain, a refrain about unconditional acceptance in love for who she is, not because of what she's ever produced or made, a kind of acceptance that you cannot earn and you cannot lose. Would that have made a difference? On Christmas, we tend to reflect a little bit about what all this means and, and, and what Jesus means and what he really came to do. And unfortunately, many of us have been told unhelpful interpretations of who he was and what he meant, maybe even hurtful ones, if not ones that just felt irrelevant. But one way I've been thinking about Jesus recently as, as one who had these really high expectations for how we would live together, for how to be in the world, but really uh, a low threshold and a low expectation, I suppose, for who deserved love, for who deserved to be treated with compassion, for who deserved to be treated with dignity. Big vision, high expectations, no prerequisites. Kind of a holy balance or maybe a holy imbalance, you might say. To say that Jesus was God incarnate, God made flesh, is simply to say in Jesus we see how God shows up to the world. Forget all the other stuff. Just think of Jesus as what it looks like when God shows up to the world. And remember how God showed up to the world in Jesus. Remember all those times when he encountered people just on his way who were broken or unwell or sick. And, and first of all, he noticed them. And he listened to them and he saw them. He really saw them. And you know what it's like to be really seen, I hope. And then he touched them, especially the ones who were untouchable, and they were made well. And as Bethany reminded us just last week, often when he did these, these healings, he was doing it in the service of a greater point about the kind of way he was trying to usher into the world and point out was already at work in the world. Remember that time he came across that person who was so tormented that he could only be described as possessed. And the people were afraid of him in his own community, and they chained him up. But he was so tormented, he even broke the chains. And so he lived the only place he could live, in the cemetery, among the tombs. And he scared people. He hurt himself. And Jesus saw him, and Jesus healed him. He made him well again, and he restored him to the community, made the community well again, and the community safe Sometimes I think things aren't so different, those in our midst 
Maybe we're among them unwell, maybe out of control, possessed in our own ways, or scared we have a good bit of brokenness on our streets as well. Remember that time that Jesus was challenged by a woman. She was a foreigner, and he spoke to her like one, which is not to say very well. And she corrected him and called him out on it and demonstrated her faithfulness before him. And he changed right before our eyes. He changed and he evolved and he seemed to expand. And wouldn't you know, he went on to tell a story where the hero was the foreigner, the ethnic enemy. They were the one who did the good thing worth emulating, that good Samaritan. Remember all those things he did. Remember that time when he saw what wasn't right about his, the tradition and the people that he loved, his own people and the, the leaders of his own people and tradition. And he, he saw what was out of sync and it made him angry. And he listened to his anger, and he let it signal to him that something was off. And he took that anger, and he flipped over the tables in the temple, in the temple of all places, to tell them they'd lost their way. Remember those times he showed up and with such courage to those who had a lot more power in the world and pointed out their hypocrisy and didn't let them get away with it, even at risk to his own bodily well-being. Remember him. Jesus showed us how to show up to the world. Forget all the other stuff. That's what it looks like when God shows up to the world. A colleague of mine back in the Midwest told a story this year of having lunch with one of his parishioners one day, and the parishioner happened to be a judge and so they were sort of talking about the state of the world. And my colleague said um, in the course of a kind of long soliloquy that he thought people across a lot of spectrums right now were yearning for a return to some integrity and grace. Wouldn't it be nice to rediscover that again, especially in the public sphere, but I suppose private as well. And he said that the judge turned to him and put it far more poetically and more succinctly, by the way. She wasn't the preacher. And she simply said, yeah, where are all the tall trees? Where are all the tall trees? The moral and ethical leaders willing to embody that in the public sphere. Willing to put their own... Uh, personal reputation and success on the line for the common good. Where all the, are the tall trees? Those of us who are blessed to live among so many literal tall trees would do well to take their metaphorical cue from time to time. It's Christmas, and we remember the moment that Mary gave birth to Jesus, and we adore the Christ child because, of course, we do. But the invitation is not simply to show up as Jesus did, but also to show up as Mary did. To birth what she did 
into the world. The 13th century Sufi mystic Rumi said this, the body is like Mary, and each of us has a Christ inside. This is a Muslim talking. Yes, God also needs to be born, birth from a hand's loving touch, birth from a song, breathing life into the world. Okay, you're in a church. You want a Christian to say it. Fair enough. So take then Meister Eckhart, Christian mystic, born just 13 years before Rumi died. They were on the planet at the same time. Eckhart said, we are all meant to be mothers of God. For God is always needing to be born. I love that image. God is always needing to be born. So it's about what we're willing to deliver to the world. But in order to deliver something to the world that's that good, that that's holy, that that is that blessed, we have to believe we're actually capable of it. And the problem is too many of us have been told for too long we're too wretched to produce anything worthwhile. And sadly, the tradition is to blame in part for that, beating into people just how rotten they are to the core. An example comes to mind, not from the religious world, but a good parallel. I was watching an online conference this year about a multi-faith response to the ecological crisis. And the particular panel I was watching was a group of indigenous women. And one by one, they each shared, among other things, that they had left what they called the mainstream environmental movement because it was predicated on, in, in their experience of it, on the assumption that humanity was fundamentally bad. And the solution was, in as many ways as possible, to remove humans from the equation. And they said, but that's not what we learned in our sacred traditions. In our tradition, we were taught we were born to be blessings. And that humanity had the capacity to have an additive component to the relationship to all that was around them. That we were here to produce good, and we could do it, and we have done it. And they told this wonderful story about chestnut trees in the eastern part of this country before the colonialists came, and how they really thrived and were an abundant food source for people because the forests were carefully managed, and the trees were kept at certain distances apart to prevent disease and, and to give them uh, plenty of nutrients, and they thrived until they were pushed off the land and their relationship with the forest was broken and the forest started to collapse. They understood they had an additive role to play, that they could birth something good, that they were made to birth something good. Okay, you're convinced perhaps that we're called to step out and offer, deliver blessing to the world. But what will happen if we do? Will we be crucified too? How will the world receive us? There's a quote on the cover of your bulletin. It says this, For lo, the light from heaven shall come and dwell in thee, and by means of thee will shine over the whole world. Does anybody know what gospel that comes from? Don't answer it because you'll get it wrong. I want to embarrass you on Christmas in front of your family. It's not in your Bibles. 
It is an exchange between an angel and Mary. It's from a gospel that didn't make the cut. It's called the pseudo-gospel of Matthew. I mean, with that title, how could it get in? It's called the pseudo-gospel of Matthew. It's one of these marvelous stories and legends from outside of Scripture that often offer us fresh perspectives and, and uh, some richness to the Christ story. Well, in the, the uh, pseudo-gospel of Matthew's telling of the birth account, Jesus is born in a cave, as is often the case in stories about him. But it's different in that a different cast of animals shows up. It's not just your standard Christmas pageant animals that wandered around here just a couple of hours ago, the sheep and the donkey and the, the goats. All kinds of other animals show up. In fact, even dragons come. Now, it probably means serpents, but let's just say dragons. Let's just dive in with both feet. So dragons show up to the birth of Christ, and the text says Christ emerged from the womb and stood up, early walker, son of God, <laughs> and looks at the dragon and says to it, early talker too, I mean, in the beginning was the word, the very beginning, and tells the dragon not to harm anyone. That's how Jesus shows up to the world for the first time identifies a threat, and says, you're not here to hurt anybody. He Jedi mind tricks the dragon, <laughs> calling it home to its inner goodness. And that's not the end of the miraculous encounters with animals. It doesn't stop there. This is what the scripture says. Well, it's not technically scripture, but this is what the book says. Lions and panthers adored him likewise. Isn't that fantastic? Think of lions and panthers showing up to the baby Jesus. Wherever Joseph and the blessed Mary went, they went before them, showing them the way. The animal kingdom shows up to lead the holy family. Quote, bowing their heads and showing their submission by wagging their tails. They adored him. Animals wagging their tails at the baby Jesus. At some point, Mary becomes frightened of this whole gathering of wild animals. And so Jesus just looks at her, and it says, with a joyful countenance, and tells her they're safe. That the world is safe. With him, the world is safe. On some level, even this endangered family. And so they journey together. Jesus the holy family, lions, panthers, predator animals, alongside prey, sheep and rams, wolves, oxen, donkeys. The list goes on and on, as does their journey. But then on the third day, because it has to be on the third day, Mary gets tired from the heat. This is not the winter. And she needs to take a rest. And so they stop by some palm trees. And the palm trees bend down to Mary and offer her their fruit. The trees bow to her. So yes, there's challenge to stepping out into the world like Christ did. 
Jesus grew up to have this strange teaching that in order to find your life, you have to lose it. And so you do have to let go of some of the temporal and some of the false and the fleeting in order to have your hands open to hold the eternal and the unshakable. And yes, sometimes being a tall tree will mean people will come to chop you down, but the world is also full of trees that will bend down and come to your aid. And the world desperately needs us to be tall trees and to be light. It's not lost on me that the land where Jesus lived his whole life is right now in the midst of unspeakable bloodshed. After all these years where the Prince of Peace walked is still flowing with blood that we haven't figured out a way for diverse peoples to be together and that particular brokenness is an emblem of a brokenness that's all around in scales grand and quite small. And the invitation of the Christ is to show up to those broken places wherever we are, as he did. To show up to them. In a world where it's increasingly easy to withdraw, to sort of withdraw, and to interact with only those with whom we want to interact, which we think will make us happy, but has not given us a very joyful countenance. To withdraw in ways that allow us to interact uh, with people only in a certain way, which often makes us very courageous in tearing others down, also not making us more joyful. The invitation of Christ is no to show up in the flesh as God did, face to face. I've stood out there countless Sundays, and Ellen has never come back. She's never come to church, and she's never walked by again, to my knowledge. In fact, I've begun to wonder if she was real, or if maybe she was an angel sent to teach me a lesson and to send a message because there's so many like her who are never coming here. It's not going to happen. And so we have to show up to them out there. That's what Jesus came to show us. Get all the other stuff. That's the point. Amen.
may be seated. Let us be in prayer together. Gracious God, whose love blesses and unites us in this time and place, we come before you with hearts filled by this holy season, its lights, its colors, its message of peace and goodwill to all. In the birth of Jesus, you have given our weary and struggling world reason to rejoice. In the cry of an infant, you have given hope to all who cry. By the light of a star, you have helped us find our way. So hear us now, O God, as in the silence of our hearts, we offer you our prayers of thanksgiving. We thank you, O God, that in Jesus Christ you have made yourself known and have beckoned us to join you in the continual creation of a world where lion and lamb lie down together and justice rolls down like waters. We realize, though, that there are many for whom such a world seems only a distant dream. Those who are ill, Lonely, grieving, experiencing hard times, away from home, at war with themselves or others. So hear us now as silently we offer to you our prayers for those people and places in our lives and in our world in need of your love and your peace. O oh God, open our hearts to the news of the angels and the wonder of the shepherds, that even in the darkest times, we may know the shining light of your love, a light that even the darkness cannot overcome. May your spirit be lit within us tonight, that we may share your gifts of peace and justice with all people. And hear us now, O oh God, as together, we pray the prayer that your son Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debts. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from As we prepare to receive our offering this morning, I uh, want to let you know that it is our tradition at Westminster that all the offering we collect on Christmas Eve goes out into the community. And so tonight, uh, we will split our offering between the Marin Interfaith Council and Presbyterian Disaster Assistance. So I encourage you to give generously. Mm -hmm. 
As we move into our final reading, I'll ask the ushers to dim the lights. Throughout the fall, we have been reading from time to time from the First Nation version of the New Testament. And so here is a reading from the first chapter of John's Gospel in alternating verse between the more familiar New Revised Standard and the First Nations version. John 1, 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Long ago, in the time before all days, before the creation of all things, the one who is known as the Word was there, face to face, with the Great Spirit. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. He has always been there, from the beginning, for the Word and the Creator are one and the same. Through the Word all things came into being, and not one thing exists that the One did not create. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. Creator's life shined out from the Word, giving light to all human beings. This is the true light that comes to all the peoples of the world and shines on everyone. This light shines into the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it or put it out. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. As we share this light with one another, the ushers will come down the aisles. Their candles will be lit. I invite you, once you have a lit candle, to keep it straight up and down and share the light by tipping the unlit candle into the lit candle. And as we share the Christ light with one another, we will sing together, Silent Night.
you all have been given light that comes from the one light. And even as you go out and recognize it already burning in the world, don't be afraid to share what you have been given. And as you go from this place, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day. Merry Christmas. Amen.